Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back here on 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson with you until 12 today. Uh, we'll get back to some of the uh, football news with Eric Bieniemy being hired by the Commanders yesterday. Uh, as we move on this morning, but right now, shift gears to uh, college basketball. As uh, we are just about three weekends away from Selection Sunday, it'll be three weeks tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And before we find out where all these teams are, and on a few, in a season that feels pretty wide open in the world of college basketball, Patrick Stevens, good enough to join us right now from the Washington Post at uh, D1S Course on Twitter. Uh, joins us via the BetQL guest hotline. Morning, Patrick. How you doing? I'm well, Scott. How are you? Good. Appreciate your fitness in today. I'm sure you're busy. Where you got lacrosse, basketball, or both? Uh, both. 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 I knew it. I knew it. Well, I'm going to take advantage of uh, some geography here. Going to catch Hopkins and Loyola in the at noon, and then uh, Towson uh, at home for its final home game of the season against North Carolina A&T. It's also the okay. autism awareness, also the autism awareness day up there for, for Pat Scary and, and his program, which is something that he's taken a lot of pride in over the years. That is really cool. I, I saw your story this morning about uh, some of the surprise teams, uh, in college basketball right now. And, um, Wanted to start there with you uh, as as we look uh, at this season. It's been weird. I mean, the ACC has been you know kind of a little upside down compared to uh, what we're used to with some of the blue bloods having some struggles. Obviously, Carolina uh, first and foremost, and Duke as well. But uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Jeff Capel uh, have been a great story uh, so far this season. Um, what what do you make of the Panthers and uh, how how well do you think it's going to you know? where they're going to be treated when it comes to Election Sunday at this point? Well, I, I think the key for Pittsburgh, first of all, is, is that they, they played the portal beautifully. You know, they got Blake Hinson, a guy who had sat out last year and had previously been at Iowa State. Uh, they got Greg Elliott from Marquette. They got Nellie Cummings from Colgate. And that right there is 60% of their starting lineup. Yep. And those guys have played very well. And for the most part, when you look at what they've done, they've obviously gotten on a roll here of late. Uh, but they've also largely taken care of the business they're supposed to take care of uh, since they got into league play. Obviously, the sweep of North Carolina is awesome, and they played great in that victory over Virginia. But when you look at what they've done really over the last four or five weeks or so, I mean, look at the teams that they've beaten. There's, there's a couple decent ones. They hold serve at home against Miami and Wake. Uh, but there's also a couple Louisvilles in there and a Florida State and a Boston College and a Georgia Tech. And, you know, the fact is, is that the bottom third or so of the ACC is is pretty weak right now. And, and while I wouldn't necessarily say this is a league that's that's worse than it was last year, because it really wasn't that great last year, and it got papered over because of some March success, you know, I don't, I don't know if we've seen a team as bad as Louisville in a, in a while. There have been a couple <laughs> bad teams, that, that, that winless Pitt team, that winless Boston College yeah. team, 
the uh, the Wake Forest team and Jeff Bizdelic's first year down there. But Pitt has done a lot of things right, and they've just simply avoided landmines. Now, I also think that when you kind of look at the way that they play, you know, they're balanced at both ends of the floor. They didn't play as great early in the season, uh, but since they've gotten into league play, they've just been a really solid all-around team. And, you know, I think right now their profile has them right in that 8-9 range. And there's obviously a chance for them to improve. There aren't exactly a ton of great games left, which means all they just have to do is keep stacking victories. Easier said than done. I think that the trip to Virginia Tech today is a bit of a tricky one for them. But then they get Georgia Tech at home, Syracuse at home, at Notre Dame before closing at Miami. I mean, I don't think it would be a shock if, if Pitt got into the barn at 15-5 and five in the ACC. Uh, and probably in decent position to be wearing a, a home white uniform in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're uh, talking to Patrick Stevens about uh, college basketball a few weekends away from Selection Sunday with us here on 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson here with you, always streaming live on the Odyssey app. All right, so you mentioned Virginia Tech, so I want to bring this up because last year they were the, really, to me, the case study as to why I thought the net was really weird, right? They, they were mm-hmm. extremely strong in the net prior to that win streak at the end of the year and obviously going on to win the ACC tournament, so it kind of went away. Nobody talked about it because, like, that's ah, fine. But then again, this year I look at it, and here they are, 15-11. and 11, They're terrible in conference. They, they don't win on the road. And yet a strong 66 right now in the net rating, uh, Patrick. Again, I know they say there's no inherent bias to these things, but it sure comes off that way. Well, I think one of the things that sort of works in Virginia Tech's favor is that when they've lost, they've largely lost close. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's roll through the losses, right? By two to Charleston, by five to BC, by two to Wake, by three to Clemson, by four to NC State, by 10 at Syracuse, 10 at Virginia, one at Clemson. Nine at Miami, six to Boston College, and and seven at Georgia Tech. Now, there are some losses in there that should really be held against them uh, to to a great degree. But because the net and some of these other metrics factor in uh, efficiency, whether they factor in margin of victory, things like that, however you phrase it, the fact is, is, is that once again, you know, Virginia Tech finds itself in a number of tight games and has managed to lose more than its share of them. Uh, so they do have a shot. And frankly, the schedule allows them, especially with what they have over the next eight days, Pitt, Miami, at Duke, opportunities to improve their situation. Now, yeah. you know, I, I wrote a bit about them a couple weeks ago thinking, especially coming off that Virginia game, you know, they're in kind of a spot where they could make some noise. And then they've since lost to Boston College at home and at Georgia Tech, which were two games that they, they had no business losing, frankly. So, you know, they, they've been a little erratic, to say the least. And, and I don't think that they uh, have positioned themselves quite as well as they did last year. They were already on a bit of a roll last year at this point uh, to be able to make a run in the conference tournament. So I, I think they have a fair bit of work to do. And if we don't see. Uh, some significant strides here over the next eight days. It's going to be a situation where they, they, they might not just have to win four, but five in five days down in Greensboro next month. Yeah, that's that's a big ask, obviously. Uh, Maryland with a huge win the other night. They're in a good spot. Uh, we're in a good spot already. Uh, but beating beating Purdue obviously has put them even in a stronger position. Now, if you're the Terps, like what's what's the let's be, gr- get greedy line for them when you start looking at the tournament right now? Is the you know the Nets nineteen? Yeah, I, I think for them, and it's funny. I had somebody ask me this the other day. What, what's the best they can do? And it's like, well, if we're being a literalist here and say yeah. say they win all the rest of their games and win the Big Ten tournament, right. well. You know, you'd be sitting there thinking about a 26-8 and eight team that, that, that's gotten a ton 
of high-end quad one wins. At this point, they'd have, they have four, but by that stage, they'd probably have themselves another three or four more. You know, that could be a team that could, that at its, at its peak, if everything goes right, you know, maybe we see them up around the four or the five line. I, I think more realistic for them is probably a six or a seven. And that's still pretty fantastic compared to what everybody thought was going to happen coming into the year. I think if you, would, if you had offered Maryland the scenario they have right now, even the people in the program at 18 and 8, 9 and 6 in the league, I think they would have jumped on that in a heartbeat and taken their chances from there. And, you know, you look at what they've got. They've got at Nebraska, a team that's playing better, but one that they handled pretty easily a, a little bit ago coming up. And then they go, they come home and they play Minnesota, which is as close to a layup as they're going to get. So, you know, I, I think that those two games could put them at 20 wins already going into the last eight days of the, of the regular season. And at the very least, I think you have to consider Maryland a good bet at this point to wind up at least in that six, seven, eight range. And I, I think that if things went off the rails a little bit, maybe a nine or a 10. Uh, but they have put themselves in really good shape barring some sort of catastrophic collapse here over the next few weeks. And they don't have any terrible losses, right? They don't have any quad three no. or four losses, right? No, they've, they've no. They've handled everything. Yeah, that's a great they, part. They've yeah. done, they've, you know, if we sit here and say, what's the worst thing Maryland's done this year, you would say it's either lose at Wisconsin by five, right. or if we're, if we're judging it just beyond the team sheet a little bit, the worst thing they've done this year was lose to Michigan by 35. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's not something that's really going to be held against them. And, you know, there's, there's only the one home loss, and it's to UCLA, who's probably one of the top five to eight teams in the country. So, so no real shame in that. Uh, they've beaten a lot of good teams. And, yeah, there's a little bit of a concern there. If we're going to nitpick on Maryland's resume, we're going to sit there and say, well, they've only won two road games, and one of them's against Louisville, who's horrible, and one of them's against Minnesota, who isn't that much better. So, you know, it would be great for them if they could add an extra road win or two. Their remaining chances are against Nebraska, which, like I mentioned earlier, they've beaten all three of those teams already at home. Uh, Ohio State's a team that's reeling. And Penn State, for whatever reason, Maryland has never played well up there uh, since joining the Big Ten. So, you know, that's almost like a bonus game waiting at the end. Uh, But right now, there's really not a whole lot to to, pick apart about Maryland's profile. It's just really rock solid. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Patrick Stevens here, college basketball, uh, Washington Post story up today if you want to check it out uh, about some of the surprises this year. Also, uh, some interesting stuff on there about uh, Chris Beard, uh, former Texas coach with us here on 106.7 The Fan uh, and always streaming on the Odyssey app. Virginia is fascinating to me because here you are, you, you got a team that's atop the ACC in the past. That would mean, oh my God, they're going to be on the one line, right? I mean, that's a given. But, you know, the net rating at 16, like how do you see Virginia? Again, another team who has nothing really bad on their resume, 20-4. and four. I mean, this, you know, after what was considered a down year last year, uh, certainly uh, you know, Tony Bennett's got them back up at a real high level. Yeah, I, I think that's a team that as long as they keep rolling, they're going to end up on the two or the three line. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think ultimately when, when you look at what they've done, like you mentioned, it's not like they've done anything bad. Every team besides Virginia Tech that they've lost to, the other three teams that they've lost to, are, are all going to be in the NCAA tournament, Houston, Miami, and Pitt. Uh, they've beaten Illinois. They've beaten Baylor. You know, they, they've knocked off Carolina. Don't know how much that's going to be valued, but they beat them. They beat Duke. They beat NC State. Uh, they, they have largely handled things. And, and, and frankly, when you look at the remaining schedule, uh, you know, there's a trip to Carolina and a home game against Clemson. So 
you know, beyond that, the other three games are, are pretty manageable there too. And so you could be staring at a Virginia team. Let's say they go four and one the rest of the way, 24 and five, basically heading into uh, the conference tournament. Their overall profile with a number of road victories, with some high-end victories away from home, that Baylor, those Baylor and Illinois games back in Vegas back in November, uh, all of that bodes very well for them. And, and I have a hard time seeing a team that, that maybe they're not playing the level of defense that they have played in the past, but they're still pretty good. Uh, and offensively, they're, they're much better than some of their more recent iterations uh, that have really struggled to put the ball in the bucket. Um, I think that you would definitely say that about the 2020 team, and last year's team had some issues there too. Uh, I think that's a team that, that with, those, with that sort of a set of accomplishments, even if it's not necessarily as strong as it would have looked like in a typical Duke and Carolina year, um, I, I think that's a two or a three seed if they wind up being an ACC double champion or a team that makes it at least to the last day of the ACC tournament and, and, and finishes strong here in the regular season as well. All right, a conference that I spent a lot of time in, but not as much this year as I've uh, moved over to the, doing Sunbelt games. Um, the Atlantic 10, what the heck's going on there? I mean, they did all this work to schedule differently, thinking this was going to be the secret sauce to get at large bids uh, that they felt like they were cheated out of the last few years. And they, they are clearly a one and done conference right now. What, what do you think has ailed the a 10 and uh, what, what, what has happened you know, right now for them? Well, I mean, I, I think you have three teams at the start of the season that you thought were going to be pretty good, right? You, you thought Dayton was going to be pretty good and it had a bunch of injuries. It was, it was without its point guard uh, Malachi Smith for a long stretch uh, it was, it was uh, you know, without Kobe Elvis for a stretch. And they just have struggled to stitch things together. And then you have two other teams that are on opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got VCU, who has struggled on offense again, but is reliable on defense. And you've got St. Louis, who has some immense offensive gifts. They've got one of the best point guards in the country in Yuri Collins. Uh, but they really, really struggle at the defensive end. And so that has led, uh, certainly, uh, to some unfortunate results for each of those teams. And they've basically beaten up on each other enough uh, that you're right. There's not going to be a, it's not going to be a multi-bid league this year. And then after that, you know, I thought it was going to be a, a, a bit of a train wreck after that. I, frankly, I thought Davidson uh, and Loyola Chicago would both be pretty good. Loyola yeah. Chicago came into the league and just has not, has not adjusted well at all. There's a there's a travel element to that. They graduated a lot of guys. You know, I kind of thought their defense would hold up well, and it has not. And then, you know, I think when you look at uh, Davidson, uh, the baton was passed for, from from uh, McKillop to McKillop, and they just haven't been quite as good offensively as what we're accustomed to. So there were a lot of new coaches in that league this year, yeah. and that, that's, I think, an interesting variable in there, too. Uh, so you had a team like St. Bonaventure that sort of had to completely reinvent itself this season. You know, Richmond lost a lot, and obviously now just wishing all the best to Chris Mooney as, yeah. as, as he's looking at his heart surgery next week. And so there were just a, a number of things that happened there, but you're right. Like the A-10 is, is probably kind of at a, at a, at a low ebb here, uh, staring. I think it's been since 2006 was the last time it was a, a single-bid league. Or at yeah. least it hasn't happened a whole lot. So yeah, exactly. a, a rough year there. No doubt. All right. Well, Patrick, enjoy the doubleheader today of Lax and Basketball. We appreciate your insight as always at D1S Course on Twitter. 
Uh, give Patrick Stevens a follow there, and you can read him in the post today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. All right, take care. Patrick Stevens via the BetQL guest hotline. All right, uh, great information there uh, from Patrick, and it is um, – been a uh, interesting year in college basketball. Needless to say, when you have teams like Kentucky, Carolina, you know Duke, is yeah, they're still going to tournament, uh, but not quite the same level. But a lot of coaching turnover. Obviously, the big guys left. That doesn't really explain Kentucky, but it does obviously with what's going on uh, with with Duke. I think to some degree. All right, we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, we will uh, at the bottom of the air talk about the stadium series coming up tonight at eight o'clock down in Raleigh. Uh, which uh, is going to be interesting with the uh, Caps and the Hurricanes. Uh, we'll get to that with the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, Mike Maniscalco, my buddy, uh, coming up here in a bit. It is Saturday morning. Scott Jackson with you here on 1067 The Fan and streaming on the Odyssey app. Probably the largest game of the day, if you will, uh, comes up this afternoon when. Um, or I should say this afternoon. This evening uh, is the biggest game, Baylor and Kansas. Nah, it's, I guess it's afternoon, though. That's nah, a 4 o'clock tip. It's this afternoon. It's still afternoon in most places. Eastern Standard Time, at least. Uh, Baylor-Kansas, the biggest game of the day, 9 versus 5. But, you know, going through some of the things he was talking about with this net rating is just, I, I don't know. I, I need somebody to show me the math on the net. Because they all say, no, nah, it's everybody's treated equally. And you know, on the beginning of the year, it's all result-based, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it, it's always weighted towards the big boys. Um, it is. It's just that's just the way it works. And you know, as the season goes on, you know, I, I I'm surprised that they don't. I don't like the fact that the strength of schedule should be meaning more. Um, probably should mean more to uh, when you play Division three teams. It should count against you. Uh, those kind of things, but not so much. Not so much. Uh, they just don't count them anymore. It's an interesting world we're in, but it was supposed to be better than the RPI. Uh, it was supposed to let the little guy, the mid-major, have a chance, and I feel like it, you know, I guess we're six years into it, five years into it, it's gone the other direction, but hey, that's just me. I'm a mid-major little guy, you know, advocate, and that's not going to get me very far in life, but anyway, that's the way it is, and I get it. I mean, we want to see the best of the best. That's fine. But uh, one of the cool things about the tournament usually is the upsets. And, I, and usually it's like, look, we want to see the upsets early. I uh, want to see some, you know, some chaos, if you will, going into the 16 and the 8. But then Final Four, you want to see, you know, the Blue Bloods or the best of the best, the best talent, those kind of things. And usually that's what happens. I mean, usually that is how it plays out. But you know, it's now deciding. It feels like more and more we're getting, you know, just, uh, you know, a reason less, less of these – Chances for there to be a George Mason or a VCU. But again, we had St. Peter's last year, so it's not totally dead uh, in the water. But it is, uh, it's, you know, this this net has not been all it's cracked up to be. We'll just leave it at that. No offense to the people that work on the net, but, you know, get a better system in place. And scheduling is a big pain in the ass, big bitch, gripe fest you'll hear from the, uh, from a lot of these coaches this year, which I've been hearing. And, I, and of course, again, I'm, doing Sunbelt games, hearing a lot from, you know, coaches that are in that conference. But, you know, in the preseason, you know, saw some A-10 teams, you know, some others, and, you know, they had the same gripes too about scheduling being so darn difficult these days. It's so darn difficult. All right, coming up, we got Stadium Series Hockey today in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like, this thing has come so far. I mean, that you can play – you don't have to play in Buffalo or in Boston – uh, you know, you can play anywhere. They can put this ice. This is incredible. 
uh, the way they do it. Um, you know, where you can you can play in cities that are not necessarily cold weather cities. I mean, Raleigh's, you know, it's not mild there in the winter as somebody who lived there for quite some time, but it is a um, area that certainly isn't like it is here. And they had a ton of rain this week, which is never a good thing with ice. For those of you that are unaware, I'm breaking that news for you. But it's like going to be like 55 there today. Now, it is going to be played at night, so in the evening, you know, it'll be in the 30s perhaps, uh, by the time the puck drops. So the process is fascinating to me. We'll get to that coming up. Um, Mike Maniscalco, the voice of the Canes, and the, and the face of the Canes, damn it. He's both. Uh, will be with us, get his thoughts on that. We'll also talk about the game. Canes, obviously, uh, once again, uh, having a great season. Obviously, the Capitals are scraping by, hoping to be in the party. But, boy, it's getting a little dicey. We'll get to all that coming up next with Mike. It is... Uh, 106.7 The Fan, Scott Jackson with you here and streaming live on the free Odyssey app. All right, back here, Scott Jackson with you on 106.7 The Fan here till noon. Big day of all kinds of sports going on. You got the all-star skills competition tonight, but here in the nation's capital and beyond, we'll be watching the stadium series, Capitals and the Hurricanes tonight from the home of the Wolfpack. Never thought I'd say that. Joining us right now, Via the BitQL guest hotline, it is Mike Maniscalco. Good enough to give some time. The face and the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Mike, I mean, you know, when we were starting down there in, in Raleigh, did you ever expect to see a hockey game uh, in the same stadium where legends uh, of NC State football played? No. Uh, no, absolutely not, Scott. Let's let's be honest with you. And uh, considering we know some of those legends, I don't think that they ever thought a hockey rink would be on their football field. But <laughs> Uh, here we here we are today, and uh, the area has really gotten behind it. I mean, this has been the only thing, and, and honestly, I can go back to the start of the season when you know they knew the game was coming. This has been the most talked about event uh, that uh, since I've been here in Raleigh that is that has happened. I mean, that includes NCAA tournament uh, yeah. that they've had at PNC. Everybody's behind it. It's the fastest selling stadium series game the NHL ever had. So, yeah, I don't think anybody could believe it. I think if you go back 25 years ago when the the Canes moved down from Hartford, uh, I think that there would have been a time where, especially in those Greensboro days, where if they got 5,700 people to a game, uh, that was a big thing. And there's going to be 57,000 people at the game here tonight. I saw a live shot yesterday, and you know, I saw a lot of the Caniacs in there wearing the the colors. And, you know, the Caps in, in... uh, Kane's color sometimes looks similar uh, when the Reds are on. So, and as we know in the past, going to games down there, it, there's always a lot of Capitals fans when they were just in the arena. I mean, I would imagine tonight this is going to kind of have a feel of a bowl game when you have you know a, a pretty good amount of fans of both uh, teams in, in the stadium. Yeah, I, I think so. Either that or like you know number one versus number two, where uh, you know the the Caps fans are going to have that huge section. Yeah. In, a, in the stadium that'll be there. So uh, it's it's going to be great. And, I, and the thing that I like about this too, Scott, is these are the geographically, and I know that playoffs make rivalries now in, right. in pro sports, but geographically, and for the longest time, the Caps and the Canes were the rivals from the, the Southeast Division to, you know, what happened when everything got realigned. They were always the teams like, you know, the Caps chased the Canes in the, the early parts of the 2000s, and then it, it flipped when, Ovi and got to Washington and, and how good the Caps became. And the Canes were chasing them. And they were always the two that were kind of looking at each other from over the fence. So the fact that this outdoor game has these two teams, it makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I wish the Caps were at full health uh, for this because, you, you know, you always want the, the best to be on display for events like this. But uh, it, it's just one of those things where 
I don't think this is going to be as heated of a game between the fans as it normally would be. Yeah. I think this is going to be more of a celebration of the game between the two fan bases. I think you're right. And right now, I mean, the Caps are in a really dicey spot in terms of the postseason. Uh, Kane's obviously very much on solid ground. But uh, I want to talk about the process. I mean, Carter-Finley Stadium, again, football stadium where NC State plays. Great place to see the game. Great tailgating around there uh, as well. Uh, and this is one of the things I love about about going to games in Raleigh for hockey because people tailgate in the parking lots because you know there's and it's not one of these places in a big city where there's walkable bars or anything either which is also right. part of it but it's more of a football feel always has been now you're literally playing in the football stadium that's the next door to the uh, arena for people that have not been there or not seen the setup how do they get this thing how many weeks uh, Mike have they been on site at Carter Finley kind of building out this rink and were there challenges uh, with with the weather down there I know today you know it's in the 50s and then tonight it'll be closer to you know high 30s but was there any weather challenges for them or is the technology just so good that it really doesn't matter you know the the amazing thing about it Scott they got here about I'd say 10 days ago, give or take, you know, where they get, they had things that they were bringing in from the all-star game in Florida that just kind of got shipped up right after that. And they were kind of storing them around, but they really went in earnest starting to put the, the rink together inside Carter Finley about nine days ago, uh, maybe 10 at the, the earliest. And it's just amazing. It's, it's 24 seven, maybe a, a couple of hours in the early morning where they're not really doing anything, but, there's always something going on uh, to put this rink together. And then when you walk in and you see it, and we've seen outdoor games before, you know, I've, I've watched you know, almost all of them on, on television, and you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of cool. What a, a neat thing. But then when you actually go inside and see it, it, it takes a second to process. Like, there's a <laughs> hockey rink on a football field. Uh, but the, the weather was great. Uh, really, the only bad day of weather uh, was yesterday, but the rink was already completed. Because uh, they had rain in the morning and into the late afternoon, and there was a chance it was going to threaten the the practices for the teams. But at about 4:15, the rain stops. Uh, the Canes took the ice. The Caps hit the ice after it, and uh, the process is amazing. I mean, you you could do a, a documentary about just how they build these rinks together. And I think now that they've done what 37 outdoor games, they've got it down to a science. Like we got, we've got to get here this day. This works. That's whatever. And they really say outside of rain, no weather. Uh, is really that hard to deal with or that difficult to to put everything together. So uh, the the weather gods have been nice to yeah. Carolina for the, the setup for this. And then, again, tonight uh, there's a chance I've seen some things. That's, I've turned into my dad. You know, I'm checking yeah. the weather every five minutes <laughs> uh, you know, just to make sure. Uh, when I hang up with you, I'll check the weather again. But you know, I saw there's a chance that it could get into, you know, the the 20s, like, you know, 29 mm. degrees. Wow. I'm like, it would be it would be pretty cool for a place that has been considered a non traditional hockey market to have an outdoor game, and it snows at the end of it, and it doesn't interfere with anything. So uh, that's but that's uh, that's a pipe dream for me. I don't think it yeah. is. I'm outside, so really I shouldn't be hoping for snow or anything like that. But uh, the, no, the process was smooth. The setup is great, uh, and the rink looks really good. I think it's going to be. And you've been inside Carter Finley for oh, the yeah. fans. The, the sight lines are great. They are. I had some concerns about it, but I don't think that there's going to be really a bad seat in the house. Well, for you, like you'll be, are you going to be in the football? What would be the football press box uh, for for where they do the football games for the, when they're calling the games? Is that where you guys will be set up? Nope, me and uh, John Walton, we're going to be right on the glass, oh. right at the blue line. Wow, on the other side of uh, of the benches, so we're we're next to the penalty boxes, so we're going to be right there, right up against the glass. So I'm pretty excited about that view. 
That's awesome. Of course, uh, you hear John Walton tonight here on 106.7 The Fan, your home of the Caps. So uh, that that is that is really cool to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's again, it's it's different, and I, I don't know what, what do you what is the vibe from the players? Uh, you know, you obviously get to talk to a lot of the Canes guys, and you guys can talk to the Caps players later. But what is the vibe from the players? I know that it's still does it does it still make them feel like kids, like they're playing on a pond somewhere? I mean, or, or in a lake, or is it is it maybe I don't know for for some of these guys, it's it's maybe not that big a deal anymore. When they came off the, the practice ice yesterday, I mean, they were like kids. They were talking about how cool it was and, you know, hey, man, this is going to be awesome. And can you imagine when this goes on? And the other thing about it too, Scott, is you know the monotony of, of an 82-game schedule, be it the NHL or the NBA, yeah. where, you know, you just kind of start slogging through it. Anytime you can have something that's that's different. And, and I mean, the big thing here, and you said it, for the Caps, you know, they they need two points the way that their, their season's going yeah. right now. And for the Canes, you know, not only I don't know if they can catch Boston for the best overall record in, in the league, but you know they got to keep New Jersey and, and New York uh, off of them as they're trying to win the division. So uh, the fact that you have a regular season game, but there's more to it. Uh, the, the guys had something to look forward to. It. It's more than just asking. You know, what do you got to do tonight to beat the Caps and get your traditional get pucks in deep and you know play hard in 60 minutes. You know, they they talked about. Yeah, this, you know, this reminds me of, you know, when I was growing up. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd have this feeling again, but when you get out there, you have that feeling. So they were like little kids in the locker room after uh, their, their skate yesterday. So it's a good thing. And I I think for the guys who've never done it, it, it really is a, a special moment for them. And, and even for the other guys who played in a couple outdoor games, they're like, you know, this this always makes you appreciate what we do for a living. So uh, I think, you know, the Caps have played in three of them, haven't lost. Uh, I'm not trying to put any bad juju up there in the nation's <laughs> capital for you. Just pointing out the stats. As you sure. know, we point out stats. That's right. Uh, but, you know, even even for the Caps, I, I've, I've got to think I didn't get a chance to pop in their locker room, but i got to think for them. It's the same thing because it's not, you know, one of 82. This is, this is special. They know that the league is going to be watching this tonight. All eyes are going to be on them. And uh, the the guys, at least in the, the Canes uniforms, were pretty excited, especially after yesterday. Well, um, as, as you mentioned, you know, they've had – the Caps have been part of this series. I mean, it's hard to believe there has been – is it 37 now, regular season outdoor yeah. game? It's incredible to think how this thing has blown up. I remember when they first did it, and the idea just seemed so foreign to everybody. And it, like, it, it is just to take off 37 times is incredible. And let me ask you this about the Canes. I mean, is, they've been rolling. They've been a great story again the way they've kind of turned it around after some lean years, uh, you know, some ownership things, it's been really impressive uh, watching it from a distance. Of course, when I was down there, uh, you know, with you, they had some good years when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but good to see them back, uh, you know, playing really good hockey. As we know, it's, it's a very good market, uh, and, it's, and it's cool to see uh, them doing it again. But Rod Brendamore, I mean, we saw him as a player when I was down there. Always thought he was, you know, a badass. But you just never know, right? Like, what's a guy going to yeah. be like when he gets on the bench, what have you? Uh, what What do you think makes him, you know, successful and has been so successful uh, in his tenure as, as the uh, head man there? Well, one, he can relate to every player because, you know, he was, for the superstars, he was an all-star. You know, he's played in the Olympics. He's played in the World Cup. Uh, he was a captain of a team, a captain of a Stanley Cup team. But then as his career moved along, and, and when we got here, Scott, you know, he moves from, you know, first-line center to second-line yeah. center to, you know, he finished his career as a fourth-liner. And, you know, he got scratched once, and, you know, who would ever think you'd scratch Rod Brindamore? So, but he's been through all that. So when he can identify with all the players, like, so when he asks them to do something, is literally, I've done it, so here's why. But he, he relates to them as people first. And I know it sounds cheesy and, and cornball, and I don't want it to be, but – 
He cares about the guys as people first. He, he created an environment where if you're going to be here, you're going to want to be here. You're going to want to play for the guy next to you. You're going to get to know each other. I don't want to say it creates a family environment because, you know, you don't always have to have kumbaya and have everybody love each other to win. But if you can create it and then you can get your best players to be your hardest workers. And that's what Rod does. Like the guys still do not go in the locker room at 6 a.m. when he's in there because he's working out and nobody wants to get caught working out next to Rod Brindamore because, uh, as they say, he makes you look silly. So, but he set that standard and he set the culture and he's just so relatable for the guys where he talks to them one-on-one. He talks to them as people. It's not, I'm a head coach. We have to do it my way. Uh, he's got a great relationship with uh, his captains when he named Justin Williams, the captain, the former Washington capital. And then to Jordan Stahl. And, and he listens, he listens to his assistant. He listens to the trainers. He listens to the people around him. And it's not my way or the highway. Now he'll make the ultimate decisions of, yeah, we'll do this. or We're going to do that. But uh, he just is, is one of those guys who, is attention to detail, but he sees the big picture. And when you hear the the cliche, you know, I'd run through a wall for that guy. This team would literally run through the wall for Rod Brennamore. And, and the he'll never take the full credit for it. He'll never take any credit for it. But, Scott, the reason for the turnaround, it, it starts and it ends with the guy behind the bench as a head coach and Rod. All right. Hey, enjoy tonight, Mike. I know it's got to be a thrill for you uh, being the, the hockey fan that you are to, to be part of this series. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, we'll be watching on TV and uh, look forward to, to hearing about the experience from you later on over a beer. Oh, absolutely, Scott. Thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll get the first one. You can get the next uh, next two rounds. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Have a good day, man. Enjoy it. Mike Maniscalco, uh, voice and the face of the Carolina Hurricanes with us here on uh, 106.7 The Fan Tonight. Stadium's here. Again, 37. How, how do we get to 37 of these? Incredible. How they just, uh, well, I don't, not bad pun. I was going to say snowballed, but they have uh, together. But the Caps, third time, but boy, shorthanded tonight. Obviously, no Ovi after the death of his father. Um, and uh, it's going to be a tough, tough one for them. And they are in a tough spot in terms of the postseason. Uh, you'll hear it here on 1067 The Fan later on tonight, of course, with John Walton, Ben Raby has in the pregame, uh, all from Raleigh and outdoors tonight uh, for the Hurricanes. And I believe eight. PM of this evening on the television on ABC television, ESPN plus for those of you that like to do it that way. All right, we'll come back. Uh, it is all-star weekend in the NBA kind of quiet, right? At least, you know, maybe that's what happens when the home team doesn't have any participants. I don't know, but it feels like kind of under the radar, uh, this year. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things surrounding the NBA all-star game. We'll go back to the commanders, the Eric B hire at 11. Ben Standing will join us. It's uh, 106.7. The fan Scott Jackson with you here on Saturday morning and streaming live on the free Odyssey app. All right, Scott Jackson with you here on 106.7. The fan. We'll talk to Ben Standig, the athletic DC, coming up at the top of the hour about the Eric Bieniemy hire by the commanders yesterday, assistant head coach, obviously going to be in charge of all the offense uh, and staff. I mean, will there be staff changes? We will find out, uh, I would imagine, in the next uh, few days, weeks. I believe next week at some point there will be a Eric Bieniemy press conference that has not been locked and loaded as of yet, though. So anyway, a lot of, a lot of things to uh, hit on with Ben uh, coming up at the uh, top of the hour as well. Uh, it is, in addition to being the stadium series tonight, it's All-Star Saturday night, which is used to be like my favorite Saturday night of, of the sports year. 
Um, when, you know, three-point competition, dunk competition, back when all the badasses were in the dunk competition, that doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, we're excited that Max McClung, the former Hoya, is involved uh, in it this year. So it's not quite the same thing, but, you know, uh, three-point competition is always fun. I mean, if you can shoot, you can shoot. Um, that's enjoyable to watch. The batteries in the remote will be uh, be upgraded tonight before the game. So this is a weird thing. I did not know this. And I was I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, why haven't we heard anything about this the silly draft that they do for the uh, All-Stars? Like, usually it's like Giannis and LeBron or whoever. That's who it is this year. Like, why haven't we heard anything about this? Why haven't they done this? Like, I thought, like, they used to, like, on a Thursday night on the TNT coverage, but it hasn't happened yet. And I was trying to figure out why, and I was like, well, maybe I screwed up because they're always changing things now in these All-Star weekends. Maybe they've actually, you know, just gone back to East-West. Maybe I missed it. But no, they're not. They're still doing uh, what is going to be the team captains. Um, you know, they're going to do this draft, but it's not going to take place um, until, you know, tomorrow night, which is weird. So the All-Star Game captains um, drafted the rosters on a television simulcast in the respective cities weeks before the All-Star Game. This year's draft will be conducted live on stage at uh, Vibbon Arena in Salt Lake, where the game is. Approximately 90 minutes to a half hour before the actual tip-off, according to a league spokesman. <laughs> so like like you would do at the gym. Like they're really making, they're really leaning into this. Hey, it's like a pickup game. We're just picking our guys right here. Um, the draft location and timing aren't the only things changing. However, the order is, according to Ernie Johnson, uh, this week on TNT, uh, the captains, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo, will uh, first select reserves for their bench before divvying up the eight remaining starters after that. Um, in this format, uh, that the last player selected would still start in the game, thus avoiding the schoolyard stigma associated with being picked last. These guys are so soft. <laughs> really? Is that why they're doing it? Come on. Really? I can't believe that. Oh, boy. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have these anymore. I, I really, I, I feel like all-star games have outlived their usefulness. I mean, I was explaining to somebody last night, like, why do we think all-star games suck now? Well, first of all, there's just too much sports on TV, right? And by too much, I mean a lot. And it's, maybe it's not too much, but there is more than ever. Like, in the olden days... You know, if you lived on the East Coast, you didn't see the Western Commerce teams until the playoffs usually. If you lived on the West Coast, you didn't see the Eastern Commerce teams. There weren't satellites and all this stuff. I mean, then, you know, in baseball, there, were, there was not interleague play uh, outside of the World Series. You didn't see the National League guys and the American League guys match up. So there's a lot of reasons why all-star games are not kind of pointless now. And you got players jumping from team to team. I mean, the NFL Pro Bowl, to me, was always a joke. I mean, it was never important to me. You're never something I really cared about. First of all, the Super Bowl had already been played back in the day, and then you're having a you know bogus All Star game the week after. I mean, it's like it's silly, but you know the NBA actually for years was fun. I mean, at least the All Star Saturday night was good. Um, if the game was terrible, but the games that had been competitive for a while have been pretty good. You know, you had a lot of beefs, guys that were just personally wanted to show people up. Don't have a whole lot of that now. And then the problem too with the dunk competition, which has gone on for many many years, is the best people don't do it. Right, like John Morant's not in the dunk competition, right? I mean, there's no, um, there's you know, LeBron James has never done one. I mean, it's just things like that, just crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. Imagine Michael Jordan never did a dunk competition. I mean, Dr. J. I mean, of course you'd want the best people to do it, but you know, it's kind of outlived its um, excitement, I guess. And then you know, there's the feeling, well, we've seen all the dunks at this point, right? So get us the best people. You know, I want the best people, but. 
no offense to you know Kenyon Martin Jr. and Mac McClung and who is it Trey Murphy the third, uh, Jerico Sims I think is the other guy that's in it. I mean, I those aren't four people I would you'd be like say yeah I have to see them dunk. It's just not not something that that uh, would have been wouldn't have been my first four choices or probably even my last 40 choices. But whatever, that's that's what we're going to get uh, tonight. And one of them may be great. Who knows? Murphy might light it up. Martin might light it up. McClung, they had to get on a team just to get into this thing. May light it up, but we'll see. When you just go by the past winners even, you know, do you remember Obi Toppin winning last year? If Outside if you were in his family or you're a Nick. Uh, Anthony Simmons won it two years ago. Okay, sure he did. Uh, Jericho Jones in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I can just go on and on. I mean, the last, like, really named badass player was Donovan Mitchell in 2018. Obviously, Zach Levine went back-to-back 15 and 16. He had kind of the, you know, wasn't the prettiest dunk competition, but we'll take it because, you know, as a Wizards fan, when John Wall won it in 2014. Um, they probably wouldn't get you a tribute video over there at the arena anymore, but, you know, it happened. You know, we had like the years we didn't do the Nate Robinson years. Yes, we got the short guy winning, you know, three or four years or three or five or whatever the hell it was. I mean, the, the, the Dwight Howard putting the Superman cape on, not really dunking the ball, winning a dunk competition was weird. Jason Richardson went back to back. It's pretty good seasons. But I mean, you haven't really, really had like top flight players since Jordan and Dominique, um, you know, get into this thing and win it. And Kobe, you know, Kobe was in it and Vince Carter and the late. 90s and then early 2000 or in 2000, Vince Carter, the best one maybe ever in Oakland. But that's it. I mean, since then, you know, it's been 22 years of eh, just whatever. A pl- you know, again, in terms of level of player, I don't know if it's a scare to fail thing or what it is, but it's, it's you know, something they're just trying to work on. Not, not a whole lot. You, can, you can't force players to do it. Maybe you can entice them better, but they have uh, not been able to figure out the secret sauce of that yet. All right, enough of my old guy ranting crap. All right, let's get to Ben Standing coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk some Eric Bieniemy uh, as uh, he is in with the Commanders. Ben's been writing about this through the night. He'll wake up and talk to us about it next here. It is uh, Saturday morning. Scott Jackson with you here, 106.7 The Fan, and streaming live on the free Odyssey app. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.